everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and with me today, our first three-peat guest, Woo! Greg Tilton. How you doing today? Doing great, man. So good to be back on. It's good to have you on. Uh, we got a interesting TV show this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. Uh, so this TV show is called Once a Hero. And it only aired three episodes. The only episode that is kind of available, I guess, online is episode two. Although somebody uploaded part one in air quotes, you can't really see, um, <laughs> uh, which is just nine minutes of the pilot. It was a two hour pilot. <laughs> <sighs> I, well, yeah, I won't start spoiling things. That, that two hours is a lot. <laughs> That's that's uh, that's that's very long. <laughs> yeah, so I guess it was a blessing in disguise that we ended up with episode two. Yeah, and it was also kind of gave a fresh like I have my notes how it was interesting to to have like we watched the first ten minutes of the pilot. I then read a synopsis of the pilot, but then going into a fully fledged episode because it's kind of hard to judge a show strictly on a pilot unless you get like there's notable exceptions like Archer and the League, um, where the first episodes are so packed with comedy that it kind of like makes the the exposition and and like super linear uninteresting character development to drop you in the world that they have to do it makes it a little more tolerable so it uh in this case it was kind of interesting to finally like watch a pilot and you know i kind of a lot of the ones that get canceled obviously are for good reason but in this case like oh let me see a fully fledged episode they assume we know the characters you know it it wasn't hard to get on the uptake and it, it i just felt like it's fun to approach it that way yeah, it was definitely interesting because like we've done that maybe once or twice before where the pilot's not available, so we'll go straight into like episode two or episode three, whatever's available. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's interesting to see how a show, most shows, you want them to be built where you can jump in. Well, especially sitcoms, you want them to be built where you can kind of just jump in anywhere and get a feel for it. And I feel like this episode kind of was that a little bit it did require a little prior knowledge though yeah luckily there's only a couple of characters so like when i read through the synopses it was pretty easy to get on the uptake and like you know it it's not that complicated of a show so i i don't want to spoil that i'm sure you're going to get into the overall plot yeah no the only one that like kind of had a little bit of confusion for me was the uh pi PI character yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) because uh without any context you're just like, what the fuck? What What is this? <laughs> Humphrey Bogart's like, you know, budget twin is hanging out. Like, what just happened? <laughs> exactly. His stunt double just shows up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, uh, looking on Wikipedia, found out his name is Gumshoe. So that uh, basically cleared everything up just looking at Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure the description when I was, I was doing a little research on him too, it was like, he is a like combination of airy generic pi personality like pre-50s like he's pretty much like just the stereotypical like man you know man on down on his luck and a pi who is out to you know has that dame and da, da, da. I mean, even his language is all that stuff that that faux transatlantic accent and that uh talking about broads and dames and <laughs> and all these like weird like comparisons or like analogies he loves his baseball analogies. Oh my god, this show loves baseball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the show aired three of its seven episodes that were made, September 19th through October 3rd, 1987. Uh, we're going to go a little bit into the pilot. So this this is the only one that actually showed its little intro. The episode two, I don't know if maybe they just started recording a little late, but it didn't show the intro. No. It's basically a bunch of panels of a comic book. What stood out to me is Captain Justice punches Thanos. Basically. This is supposed to be like this bespoke, like, fictional universe. And they bring Thanos into it. Yeah, well, they also have us foreshadowing. They do a little bit of that at the end, too. That's true. (laughs) But uh, yeah, then and even just that that cold open right into the uh, the super like Buck Rogers Star Trek kind of thing with like the super cheap 80s sci fi like and I actually kind of have to tip my hat a little bit to them. They were 
it was hacky and they kind of steered into it. Uh, but it was, I saw that first few seconds and I went, I immediately emailed Ed here and I went, uh, once, uh, once a hero, final answer, 100%. <laughs> like I knew within, I, I basically was browsing through your, the way I always pick an episode with you is I look through for any titles that catch my interest. Cause you know, there's so many to pick from. You've done really thorough research on this. And then I watch like 20 seconds of each one and whichever one immediately gets my attention. I'm like done. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm like, if, if you can hook me, then great. And I saw that intro and they're like, Oh, you'll never get away. Destructo. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. This is, <laughs> there's no question. This flash Gordon nonsense is happening. Yeah. 100%. It is the cheesiest campiest thing ever. And the, my favorite thing is that this was on a YouTube channel called Cheesy Videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get the little intro in Pleasantville. And Destructo is a villain. He's trying to take over the world like a normal villain does. And he says the line, what? You think I'm a madman because I want everyone to bow at my feet? Yeah, I was... Uh... I was sort of like, yes. That yeah, is. That, that, that's yes. what men, men do. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, the whole, just down to every line of dialogue. It's like the, the evil guy shows his faint, and then it goes right into, like, Captain Justice being like, uh, like it's like, wait, how could you have possibly stopped it? Oh, I stopped all these missiles at once. Like, how could you have found us? I use this power, and I have, quotes, who'd want to see heroic theatrics and super abilities when our hero can just describe them? <laughs> like, like, it literally just has him show up, and he's already done the thing. Like, it doesn't, and, and I'm, I'm not even faulting the show for it. I was just like, oh my god, like, of course, like, that's the most, like, typical 60s 70s 80s like budget saving thing it's like let me tell you the amazing thing i did like i'm a dm in dungeons and dragons (laughs) (laughs) it's very reminiscent of like the the 70s batman Mm. which kind of ties in because episode four the episode that was never seen actually had adam west oh that's amazing yeah it was supposed to be a very kind of meta episode the show is already meta. I'm kind of curious what they would define as a more meta episode. I know, I'm, right? I'm not. I'm kind of like, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to. I'm actually not sure how to what to assume with that one. Uh, so we get. Oh, just so uh, I didn't mention this before, but the basic premise of this show is a comic book writer, his comic book character Captain Justice, been writing him for thirty years. It's becoming stale. He's repeating the plot points. Even in the comic book, they realize plot points are repeating and then captain justice comes into the real world and it just kind of shows his interactions with real life and if i'm basically i think i wrote the first thing i wrote my notes was stan lee presents stranger than fiction that's kind of my like elevator pitch of what this show is 100 percent stranger than fiction stuck out to me as soon as i read the description of this show yeah yeah, it's like, that's not like a hot take. Like, I, I think anyone who's even heard of Stranger Than Fiction would probably pick that one out. Like, it's this guy, it's not as much that it happens in the real world, but it's that there is a comic book world where these things are happening and they are now moving into the real world and have had these past experiences, but like, he doesn't have his powers anymore and they're like, not in idyllic Pleasantville. So what happens when there's like a crazy person on the street in New York and this person is completely not socially adjusted? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very strange. It's like a fish out of water type thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, almost kind of like Enchanted. Mm, you know, that's a really good comparison. I like that. I like that a lot. That kind of like naivete that comes with it. Exactly. So we get the whole thing you were talking about, the whole, oh, well, I took out your missiles with my x-ray vision and all that shit. And Destructo goes, well, you know, with all these powers, you should join me. And I don't know why every villain does this. I don't know. Maybe it worked once and like every villain thinks, oh, maybe. But it's just the the most bizarre trope in comics and comic based shows. We're not so different, you and I. Exactly. Like the Dr. Evo. <laughs> yeah. Literally calling back to see, I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. We get a look at Pleasantville, which is very, like, Dr. Seuss-esque. It's very animated. Uh, the backgrounds are very pop art, and it's just a bunch of real people walking through it. And 
we find out his alter ego, Captain Justice, is Professor Steel. And I think this is probably like a nod to Superman because he talks to the little boy who's like selling newspapers and his name is Jimmy and he goes, oh, don't use the word ain't if you want to be a reporter. And then he gets home, notices that the headline and the story in the newspaper is the same as, uh, I don't know, like 15 years ago or something like that. And yeah, hypnosis missiles. Exactly. And he like looks up and says, Abner, what's going on? Abner wakes up. Abner is the artist. Realize that this is a like a whole dream sequence. But kind of not, I guess. Uh, I guess it, maybe it's supposed to be like this all exists within his mind, this world. Something like that. They're kind of like hinting, like they're not telling you exactly that's a real thing. They're like, oh, it was all a dream. Haha, but is it? Exactly. And then we get Abner pitching ideas to a bunch of the neighborhood kids. And they're shooting down every idea like, oh, no, that happened in issue 36 from 1984. All that. And he's wearing Captain Justice pajamas this entire time. Mm-hmm. And then one of the kids asks, hey, how come Captain Justice doesn't use his x-ray vision to look at naked ladies? Now, bear in mind, ABC is, we think, I don't know if you mentioned this, ABC is producing this, and this aired. So this is like basic cable, right? Like... This is, like, hilarious. I'm like, for 1987, whoa, hey, hey, hello. Exactly. For this time and this station to be airing this. And he says, no, that's not, that's not cool. Which it's not. Again, this is something that happened in 1987. This would never fly today. (laughs) Well, a little kid, that's the whole thing, right? It's like hormonal teenagers, her, her. And, like, that kid, then it gets super serial killery, where the kid's like, I'm into bloodshed. I love to see it. I like everything about it. That is a quote from the show, by the way. And, like, they're talking about, like, oh, he does the same adventures, and I like um, I like Rambo, and I like, you know, it's just this, this whole, it's this idea of adults in a boardroom going, this is what the youths say, and they probably went on to complain about Ouija boards and D&D. Uh, 87, yeah, that, that tracks. Ouija boards and D&D. <laughs> you just like this whole, like, kids don't understand the good old days when people did things for the right reasons. They had their white picket fences and went out and greeted the newspaper boy. Yeah, it just it it's it does scream a little bit that it gets super monologue-y and like the the I don't remember the exact dialogue obviously, but he does a whole thing about like it's about justice and it's about the right thing and it's like I love blood. It's like, <laughs> like this is not what functioning kids said. Like that is not something I said to old men. I don't know about you. <laughs> not that I recall. <laughs> it's totally uh, possible though. I could have been a terrifying child. Yeah, I also, you probably also didn't go to some strange man's house that while he was- That is a very uh, good point. I didn't even <laughs> think about the group of little kids. Is, is, I'm guessing presumably one of them's a grandkid. Uh, one of them, uh, Woody, is the next door neighbor, Emma. That's it's it. It's her son. That's it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and uh, he has Woody stay behind after all the other kids leave, presumably to go on a murder spree. Sounds about right. And he tells him about his dream. And that's when the uh, part one air or part one cuts off. So that is all of the uh, knowledge that we have going into this. <laughs> Episode two starts off. Triangle. Triangle. Right I off just got it. The, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right off the bat, we get Gumshoe walking in. So I was immediately confused both of us <laughs> paused and immediately hit google yep. <laughs> then uh captain captain uh justice is sitting at in front of the tv he's dressed up like a 1950s dad he's got his like turtleneck sweater vest all that shit he's got his glasses on and he's just he wants to sit and sit eh, sit at home and watch tv and gumshoe goes oh well uh, I got this lady in my car, so why don't you go on a date with her? Uh, first off, this man enters a strange world, and his first priority is dames. 
He's been there prior, like what? I mean, at best days. And he's like, I've got two ladies in the car. Like, damn, fine work, detective. Yeah, that uh, definitely ties into the whole, uh, this broad and this dame. Mm-hmm. And it gets like the language and like all the accusations towards Captain Justice. Like it's he makes him kind of like, oh, you're a naive Boy Scout. But it's also kind of gets like emasculating and tones of like, what are you, gay? Like it's kind of got this language and his whole tone is very like, oh, man, we're we're going to unpack some stuff here. Yeah, definitely a product of its time. <laughs> it's not even like horrifically offensive i'm not like being like blah, blah, you know i'm just more like i just noticed like the language itself was very it, he had heavy implications in the way he like asked him things and accused him of things it was just i, I was just very noticeable yeah because he mentions like oh don't you know what happens when you go on a date with a girl yeah it's like it's it's uh it's great i i like i honestly was just laughing i was like oh my god this is the most awkward interaction yeah and his uh response was no but i've been watching oprah which like really was the the icing on the cake for me he reveals that he doesn't want to go on a date because his girlfriend rachel is still in the comic world and he loves her and she would never go on a date with anyone else oh boy here it comes cuts to her getting home from a date with lobster man oh yeah literally just a man in a lobster costume and he's like come on honey don't you like me and he's getting very handsy or well getting very clawsy and he's trying to mac on her she says well i think of you as a friend he says oh come on captain justice is gone what are you gonna do now well it's not the same with you or jaguar man or shark boy two things shark boy exists in this universe about it uh so i can only assume they mean shark boy from shark boy and lava girl i you know i'm gonna make i'm going with headcanon on that i'm i I, that is now official lore i'm i'm on board i'm I'm liking this world building yeah and uh that further connects to spy kids i assume (laughs) so i can only hope that the grand villain of this whole show is george lopez and sylvester stallone i'm digging it yeah. Uh, this also implies that not only has she gone on a date with Lobster Man, but she also went on a date with Jaguar Man and Shark Boy. So it's like it it it's very much I wrote down proto furries question mark. Yeah, it kinda is. But it's either that or it's like anthropomorphic it's like hybrid human animal things. I don't know. I don't that's one of those things where you're just like, you know what? Someone in the writer's room went lol comics, am I right? And just wrote this down. <laughs> There's a man who's a bat. Man bat. I guess we can have lobster man. Like man spider. Exactly. Or Danny DeVito as man spider. Indeed. Uh, She tells some guy that's guarding a gate to the real world, I guess, or through the forbidden zone, as they call it, that she wants to go there. She wants to meet up with uh, Brad. Also, I should have mentioned his name is Brad Steele. Great porn actor name. (laughs) which also kind of ties into it because she goes into the real world she's kind of confused by what's going on on the streets there's a bunch of uh like punk people they got their hair spiked up wearing leather jackets she's scared then some crazy guy told told her oh the turnips are poison and mesopotamia has got a doomsday device she pulls out a notebook starts writing it down saying i know a guy i can help you i got a guy who can take care of this for you (laughs) And some guy in a jeep pulls over and mistakes her for a hooker. Excuse me, uh, lady of the night or sex worker? <laughs> I'm just playing with you, dude. The guy, the guy, it's 87. That's what he's treating her like. <laughs> yeah. He believes she is a streetwalker and basically asks her, oh, hey, how much? And she goes, well, if you help me get to this uh, address, I got two wonderful friends and I'll make it worth your while. They're eccentric, and it's all, like, innuendo and taken out of context. Right, and her cluelessness being from this idyllic 50s world, not realizing this is all innuendo, and says, okay, well, uh, uh, bring me there. And she goes, what's the price? Oh, 50. That sounds about right. She gets there, hands the guy Monopoly-looking money, says, this is the $50 I promised you, and he's like, whoa, 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 hold on. (laughs) And he gets all very 
handsy and very, it's a very uncomfortable scene and it goes on way too long. It's I, I, I was watching it and I kept kind of waiting for the, the back and forth to end. And I was like, all right, is it just me or this is all right. I'm glad, I'm glad you have that note. <laughs> yeah, no. And they try to play it off as comedy because captain justice looks outside and sees it. And he's very slowly getting into his costume hopping on, trying to put on his boots. and Exactly, because he doesn't have his powers anymore, so he can't just, yep. like, go into a phone booth and transform. So he goes out there, threatens the guy, doesn't have his powers, so he can't really do anything. And then Gumshoe shows up with a gun, and it doesn't make sense to me that these two are from the same world as Gumshoe. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out what there's there's got to be more under the hood there. I, I I'm guessing we missed something in the pilot, but they're definitely like not operating by the same rules or even like universal assumptions. Exactly, because this man has a gun. He's just like, eh, you you look good, but you look even better with some holes in you. You know the whole 1950s PI type talk. Oh yeah. Uh, then he tells the guy, you know, kick rocks. Guy leaves. And he tells Brad and Rachel, you two have a nice time. He knows that this fool doesn't understand what sex is. It's very, very implied because he kisses her and goes, I didn't know they ever did more than hold hands. Yet this man talks about dames, has a gun. It's just so baffling. Yeah, they're de- yeah, like I said, they're just not operating under the same criteria. There's uh there's an inherent difference here, but I don't know, maybe he has a super secret backstory. Maybe he's from uh not so Pleasantville. Yeah, as I say it's like, oh, there could be others, like maybe it's kind of like fables, like the comic series, it's like there's all these different realms of different lore. And so he's like someone else's creation because he's clearly not this guy's creation. So like unless he was some unless you find out later, it's like, oh, yeah, I did this one shot issue about a Humphrey Bogart type. It's like, oh, okay. But uh, all I know is that he's clearly not like, uh, I don't know. It's this. My assumption was the fantasy world that these guys come from, the comic book world that that um, Captain Justice comes from and Rachel comes from is it's a world of his creation. It is It is that comic book world. That's kind of my understanding. So, yeah, where this guy came from, maybe, again, we missed something in the pilot. Yeah. And uh, Rachel talks to Brad and says, oh, by the way, the Mesopotamians have doomsday machines. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not really, but I'll just go along with it. And he lies to her, tells her about all these fake adventures he's had in the real world. And then Abner gets home. And he's introduced to Rachel, and he kind of pauses. He's awestruck. Then we find out why when he goes and looks at his wedding album. Because Rachel was based off of his wife. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. We find out when he goes to talk to Emma, the neighbor, that she died right before their first anniversary. And he decides he's going to make a move on Rachel. And this also is very of its time because they're all very like possessive of women and it's not like treating them as their own thing it's kind of like oh she's mine no she's mine Uh, it's just weird but again it was the 80s this is the type of thing that ended up on tv then it gets very creepy because abner shows rachel around the basement pulls out his wife's old wedding dress has her put it on and it's just like this very weird moment where like he's thinking about his wife. She's not realizing that this is all happening. And he puts a necklace on her and there's like this like kind of an- angelic music playing supposed to be like, oh, they're going to bone. Captain Justice goes out to meet his new neighbors. He's in his costume. There's a lady spraying her lawn and she's she's not having any of it. She's like, oh, you're not going to protect truth and justice on my lawn. Sprays him. He leaves. He goes home disappointed. And Gumshoe goes, oh, I should probably tell you this. Look at this wedding album. Rachel is based on his wife. The plot thickens. Dun, dun. Abner asks Rachel to go dancing. She's like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Captain Justice 
still talking to Gumshoe, goes, oh, I got to give up Rachel for Abner. He created her in his wife's image, so, you know. And then he immediately goes back on that when he talks to Abner, says, well, she's my girlfriend. She's not your wife. I'm going to ask her to marry me. He practices his proposal in the mirror. Abner walks in saying, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. You want to leave? And he goes, well, I got to practice. Oh, it's tough writing your own words, huh? Without me, you're not very persuasive. Got him. Yeah, kind of leading in. I feel like it was mainly to remind you that Captain Justice was written by Abner. Yeah. Because that's definitely a plot that can get lost in this show. Very easily. Uh, Then Woody is chilling with flowers, talking to Gumshoe. And Gumshoe gets into his baseball analogy because what he says, how can two guys let a girl come between them? Eh, well, a dame's not baseball. Okay, well, I may just be young and stupid, but that makes no goddamn sense. (laughs) (laughs) And then on the fly, Gumshoe goes, oh, well, you know, two guys, when they got a baseball between them, you know, they play. When they got a dame between them, they fight. Again, we're getting into, like, really strange, like, innuendo, gender-based, like, I'm not even trying to do a modern lens on it. It's, like, very, this this whole understanding of, it's, like, I can't discuss, I'm trying to parse whether he's, they're doing, like, a caricature of a Humphrey Bogart-style PI, and it's, like, actually, like, just kind of a on-the-nose thing, or if it's, they're actually trying to explain to us, like, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm, I'm, I honestly could not quite parse the tone on this one. Right, you can't tell if they're being, like, like on the nose or if they're just completely tone deaf. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, yeah, tone deaf is a good term. It's like, and, and not even in a, like, how could they say this? You're just like, well, I don't, I, I, I don't think that's how relationships, like, why, what's your message? Are you, because they kind of vacillate between, you know, the, the comic creator and blanking on his name suddenly, you know, he gives his monologues about doing the right thing. And it's it's the, the story is supposed to give us hope. And, and Captain Justice is this amazing figure. And, you know, he's, he's kind of trying to hearken back to the good old days. Fine. Like it resonates or it doesn't. But it's kind of more clear what he's going for. And then this Humphrey Bogart dude, I'm like, is he a joke or is he like the other half of the message? I'm not, I, I, I'm honestly not a hundred percent on that. And maybe it's just cause I'm not used to the tone of 80 sitcoms. Like in 2019, there might be things that are more apparent to the audience at the time than there are for me. I'm not sure. Yeah. Another thing that uh, I should mention is this was ripped from like a VHS recording and yeah. we got all those eighties commercials. And I have a big note, like, oh, God, those commercials were amazing. They were so good. The Dexa, was it Dexatrim? Dexatrim, is that the uh, the, the weight loss supplement? Yep, Dexatrim. And it was just, like, <laughs> a bunch of women in 80s outfits talking about how they lost weight, just one after the other. <laughs> the first commercial was a Pantene commercial where some girls just like, yeah, I use Pantene. It's got B9 vitamins. I don't know what that means, but it works. Yeah, it's it's hilarious. I I, I was... I had a grand old time. They had an old Oprah commercial. They had a Star Trek three uh, release commercial uh, with the, was it the search for Spock, and they were like, "No football, just Star Trek." I'm like, "Interesting angle." Yeah, those are two demographics <laughs> that don't seem like they would intersect back then in like the '80s. <laughs> Is people who are known for watching football and people who watch Star Trek. It was a uh, it, it it was a trip. It was a it was an inch like I've seen. We've watched a lot of the ones we've watched have had the ads in them, but these really caught my attention. These were like primetime ads. It almost looks like these were big dogs. Oh yeah, because I think it a, a little like clock popped up from the local affiliate, and I think it said like eight oh seven at the time it popped up. So this did air during primetime. But the most buck wild commercial that came up on this. So they had like a lot of like PSAs coming up. Like one of them was about a guy who doesn't know how to read, so he wants to correct his mistakes, teach his son how to read. Oh uh, yeah. The best one was Are a, you get oh please, the, the drug free America one? <laughs> I won't spoil it. <laughs> the drug free America yes! one. Yes. Yes. Oh my god, this one's so bad. It leads off with a guy going, Yeah, my buddy, Dave, he wanted to get his friend Phil 
a good birthday present. So he got him some crack. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know that when I was a kid, I was like, man, I'm looking for a good time. We should go score some crack. Like, that's a thing kids do. Yeah. And the, the context of he wanted a good birthday gift for his friend. That's such an absurd, like, happy birthday. I got you some crack. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I, I understand I was born in 89. I know I don't fully understand the time period, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it went down. Probably not. It, it reminds me of uh, It's Always Sunny, where they try and get addicted to crack and they go up to some guy. That was so funny. <laughs> and they just go, uh, yes, I'd like to buy uh, one crack, please. That was so good. It's so ridiculous. Oh, my God. But anyways, back to the episode. Yeah. So Rachel realizes that both these guys want to date her. She goes next door, asks Emma if she has a guest bedroom, and asks her to explain men to her. And she uses a baseball analogy. And Rachel tells Brad she runs in crying, saying, oh, I know I'm based on his wife. Uh, I'm meant for him, not for you. And then she, then Brad gets down on one knee, proposes. She goes, you string me along for a quarter of a century and then pop the question now. She decides to marry him. Then we have like a... Yeah, can we, can we back that up a little bit? Because she was like angry. And this is yes. But she's like in the middle of this confusion about who she loves. So like all of a sudden she goes, oh, yes. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, whoa, wait, what? Like, I, I, I get it. It's the decades romance, fine. But we had just come out of this whole complicated plot where this love triangle is building. And in the throes of her confusion, she resolutely says yes and seems thrilled. I just, I, I was not following the characters on that one. I got super confused. Yeah, exactly. Because this is a woman who's having a literal existential crisis. She doesn't know if she was created to exist as a surrogate for Abner's wife. And then she just throws that all aside immediately and goes, oh, yeah, sure, fine. (laughs) Then we have a very short montage of them talking about like, oh, I want to have, do you want to have a boy or a girl first? Oh, how about a boy, then a girl, then a boy, then a girl, then a boy, and then a girl. And you see Brad, Captain Justice, he kind of like looks off into the distance like, what the fuck did I get into? Then it immediately cuts to them arguing about what style house they want and essentially she decides you know what i can't marry you i'm gonna go marry uh abner i'm gonna go propose to abner abner tells her no 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 no. my wife's dead you're not my wife i literally made you as a character to marry brad you two are made for each other literally and the only the only differences you're having are because you're in the real world right now brad sees them hugging Gets the wrong idea, gets all huffy and leaves. Gumshoe comes out, talks to Rachel. Rachel's just like, oh, well, I, I've been searching all around for Brad. Can't I can't find him, haven't seen him. I don't know what to do. He says, uh, I wrote down the line because, again, the most bizarre detective 1930s, 40s PI line. And yeah, the guy's fed up. Keep chasing him. We all remind him of what fried his eggs in the first place. And she realizes, oh, you're sort of right. I'm going to go fake myself being kidnapped. And then Brad will be like, oh, he'll come for me. The most bizarre plan. Gumshoe comes back with the fake ransom note. They realize that Rachel wrote it. And Abner goes, oh, I know what she's like alluding to. This happened in issue 147 where she got tied to the train tracks. Which he conveniently has a picture of that frame from the comics just hanging up in his uh, in his living room. <laughs> I mean, I guess in theory she could have gotten the idea by seeing the picture, but that's a stretch. I, I, I'm, yeah. And also, this is that's so dastardly and muttly, right? That's not like a a uh, that's not like a superhero thing. Like, I don't think Superman or Batman or any any of those people, I can't really think of any train track escapades. Some some nerd's going to get out there and on, on the comic book show and be like, well, actually, <laughs> so there probably is. But when I think of, like, damsel in distress with, like, Superman, I think of falling off a building. I don't I don't think of, 
of train tracks. But, you know, there's plenty of, like, that's a, that's definitely a hero trope, so I'll, I'll accept it. You know, I think, like, back of, like, old westerns are, like, the Lone Ranger for that type of trope. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, I don't, I don't think of comic books when I see that, but she's chilling on the tracks, tied up, and she's just singing. A guy on a bike rides by and goes, lady, you need help? She goes, no, go away, I'm waiting for someone. If that was me, I would have called the police immediately saying there is an insane woman tied to the track singing. <laughs> yeah, this the singing really was the like it was almost I was like, "Oh my god, she's having a psychotic break." I was like, I was like, "Are we going to get into some dark territory here? Are they going to like electroshock therapy this woman? Like what's going on?" Right. <laughs> uh then it kind of fades away and fades back in. It's been a couple hours and Brad shows up in his Captain Justice suit, shows up by cab. She goes, why didn't you fly? And then he finally tells her his powers are gone. And she goes, oh, I just want to have our simple life back. Let's go back to the comic world. He says, no, I like this place. It isn't dull. They decide, okay, well, we're going to go our separate ways then. You're going back home to Pleasantville. I'm going to stay here. And that's basically how the episode ends. Then we get a little stinger at the end where... It's kind of a repeat of the beginning of the episode where Gumshoe shows up saying, Hey, what are you doing tonight, Captain Justice? He says, Oh, I'm watching Maltese Falcon. I've seen it. Oh, well, this one's been colorized. And Gumshoe's like super offended, like, Oh, no, don't you dare. Captain Justice says, Oh, okay, I won't watch it. I'll watch wrestling instead. Gumshoe says, Oh, well, I got a date for you if you want to go. He says, Yeah, okay, well, I'll go on this date because... Rachel and I talked, we should, you know, see other people and, you know, eventually if we get back together, then we truly were meant to be that type of thing. And he goes, oh, well, you'll like her. She's a reporter like Emma next door. What's her name? And doesn't he say Walter or something? I can't. No, I don't got it. I don't got it. Trying. Yeah, there was supposed to be like a joke or something. I think he says her name's Walter and he goes, where have I heard that name before or something like that? Oh, wait, wait, what am I talking about? No, that was the Lois Lane joke. What did, he, what did he call her, Lois? I'm so confused. Talking about the very, talking about the very, very end, right? Yeah. When he says uh, the reporter, yeah, he does say Lois. Oh, he says Lois. I don't know why I heard Walter. Well, there was a pretty high pitched buzzing <laughs> in the background of that of that rip. So, um, I, I that's probably why. Okay, well, that definitely clues me in on the fact that the whole Jimmy thing was a Jimmy Olsen reference from the beginning. Mm, I didn't think of that. That's a good one. So yeah, that is. Essentially. And it's like literally freeze frame credits after he goes, Lois, where have I heard that name before? Exactly. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense either when you think about the fact that he exists within the Marvel Universe because he fought Thanos. I guess they're just kind of not territorial at that time. I don't know. I don't got nothing. It's weird. I got... <laughs> <laughs> so out of all the inconsistencies, that's the one I picked to have a gripe about. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with our pitches. I'm Jay. I'm Bob. And I'm Corey. We are the Cretans Guild. We're a trio of man-children whose friendship predates the Lion King, Green Day's Dookie, the N64, and the Chunnel. We have backgrounds working in television, video games, radio broadcasting, creative writing, and pizza delivery. That's a large cheese, right? On our podcast, Nerd or Not, you'll hear us talk about board games, TV, movies, comics, collectibles, video games, wrestling, theme parks. We even did a segment on pizza. So check and listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. And check out our socials on Twitter and Instagram under Cretans Guild. Welcome to the Guild. So Greg, had this show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Always a fun uh, little rabbit hole to go down. So I think obviously they would have done more uh, rips. I mean, yeah, remember, in 87, maybe I'm wrong, but this is a... not exactly a big high point in comics like the 90s were were a little rough on them so i'm pretty sure like uh, some people who know the history better than i i would be able to but the whole plot is that the guy's comics not doing very well and so uh and you have that whole monologue monologue with the interaction the pilot where the kids are like i want to watch rambo i want blood and violence and so i think you see more and more stuff about like he's going to bring in they're going to bring in 
imitations of characters that people would be familiar with at the time. You know, maybe there'd be a Green Lantern type or things like that. I could see them playing around with like other heroes crossing over. That's like a very easy way to do episodics. I'm curious if they would ever go back. Like I was thinking about like, would there ever be an episode where they're like, oh, something's wrong in Pleasantville? Because the thing that wasn't really resolved was people were fading out of existence, right? Isn't that what happened? We don't really see it in the pilot, but it's in the, from what I understand in the Wikipedia Part of the reason he went over was to save them, like the decline of the comic and interest and the repetitive stories were like basically wiping people out, right? Yeah, I think essentially it was like he was writing characters out, so they were disappearing. Yeah, and so it's like, well, you got to resolve that. Like, that's a sticky ethics situation, you know, and and so I... I'm curious if he's like, if the big bad is, I don't know, the loss of the medium? I don't know. I feel like they could definitely toy around with that idea. Like, maybe... I'm just not sure the writing was, like, up to that par. Like, they, the, the writer's room didn't feel that astute. But I felt like, again, this we didn't see the first pilot in its entirety, but the thing talked about, like, people were literally fading out of existence. I'm like, well, that's terrifying. Like... <laughs> I would hope he's trying to solve that. Yeah, no, especially the weird thing that we didn't see at the because it happened in the pilot was the end credit stinger was Thanos turning to the camera, freeze framing and saying, oh, well, Captain Justice is in the real world now. Exactly. It's like he's left these people defenseless. And, you know, I, I guess, well, I guess I have to walk back to stuff about other heroes because this is only this guy's world. But again, we got that Humphrey Bogart dude. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, like, what the rules are in this show. But obviously, by making it, like, kind of an open-ended meta comic book thing, there's huge opportunities for minor villains and other heroes and sidekicks and characters from this world they've built that alludes to real comics to just cycle in and out. They can return to the comic world, stay in the real world. Um, obviously, there'll be shenanigans of him trying to date, um, which I am... I forgot there was one note at the end. I went, he ends... On them, basically with an open relationship, which is really interesting. <laughs> like, uh, it's an '87 cable show, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're in love, and we're gonna be together, but we should see other people." And I'm like, "Wow, that's a very open-minded view on relationships, especially with the woman who dates Lobster Man." Yeah, well, you know, once you go lobster, you gotta get. You got this. You gotta get Rob. Sir, oh my God! <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, you know what? Hey, I I I love that you tried to stick the landing. I admire the commitment. Yeah, it's like you know the uh, that Olympics where the gymnast like tripped and like broke her ankle when she landed. That was me basically right there. <laughs> I set it up, and you're just standing there, hands up. Your legs are trembling a little bit. Exactly. You're like, I got this. I got this. <laughs> But uh, no, it's 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 the ends on an open relationship, and I'm like, okay, well, guess he's gonna start dating, like, <laughs> while he's in love with this other woman that they're gonna be faithful, but not. I don't. I, that yeah. was that raised a lot more questions than presented answers. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it could be cool if they toyed around with other style comics coming in, like yeah, like maybe like all out of nowhere, Casper the Friendly Ghost shows up. And they're like, what the fuck's going on? There's a ghost? Like, Archie shows up. Exactly. Talk about a high school that doesn't exist and everyone thinks he's insane. Yeah. And some random kid got murdered, so they got to solve the murder. There you go. And then Jughead shows up and he's Cole Sprouse. <laughs> he's got PTSD. Exactly. And he, he won't take off that goddamn hat. I just want to see the man's hair. Nope. And just... <laughs> Oh God, there's, that's the thing. It's like the, the social adjustment will be, I'm sure that could be, or could have been a like fun road to see. He was very like Clark Kent and, and Rose tented view of everything. And would he become increasingly cynical as he have like a code he has to build and live by? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It, it'd be interesting to see his kind of psyche change and his like yeah. worldview change. Because they kind of tease that by saying like, oh, this world isn't dull. I want to see what's going on here. Yeah, which at no point did I feel like he was having a good time in the modern world. So I'm not sure where that came from. 
he mostly sat around watching TV. So like maybe he just becomes like Fat Thor in uh, Endgame. He just uh, sits around drinking beer and watching Oprah, and that's like he's found his calling. Exactly, and he's gonna yell at some kid on Fortnite. I love it. I love it. Wait, no, this was '87. They didn't have Fortnite. Uh, he's gonna. Oh, Doom is right around the corner. He's gonna get a 56k modem, and he'll he'll own noobs on on Doom. Exactly. He's gonna go to the arcade, push a fat kid out of the way, steal his quarters. <laughs> he's still got the jack in hand. He's like, <laughs> I put balls in front of the death once. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be able to fly. You know that, <laughs> sir. This is a Wendy's. <laughs> okay. Well, give me some chili. <laughs> I don't know if we have chili. This is 1987. I don't know the Wendy's menu from Ooh, back then. That's a good point. <laughs> oh, oh man, did we? That might be a great anachronism. But yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I, there is a lot of possibility. I think that was like a. There's a good example of a show. Like I'm kind of ripping on it, but you know, it, it's cute. And like I think they're in their mind's eye, they probably saw a production road that was kind of endless. They're like, oh, anytime it gets stale the characters and the world can just be kind of slotted in and out pretty organically because it's consistent with the story. Exactly. And I feel like they could have toyed around with, cause this, like, like you said, this is the eighties is a different time for comics. You know, we had Batman go from super campy and like the Joker, super campy to the Joker, you know, murdering or trying to murder Barbara Gordon, paralyzing her and Batman going dark basically. So we could have had uh-huh. something like that. Like maybe there's gritty reboot of Captain Justice that kind of makes his way into the real world. He breaks bad and starts cooking meth. Exactly. And uh, then he, you know, he goes and he starts a family with a lady named Lois and has three kids. And the middle one is named Malcolm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a dream. Now it's, uh, yeah, I mean... I think one thing I'd like to see is like, and I was kind of jo- joking about it earlier, but like, it'd be fun to see some of the little action scenes, like kind of, I want more of the eighties camp. I want that like flash Gordon knobs and camp. Cause actually now I think about it, he's a superhero, but the vibe was very much like Buck Rogers sci-fi, right? Oh, like yeah. I, I kind of said that earlier, but like, I'm also realizing that's like, I think I'm having a hard time envisioning things cause it's kind of mashing two things together not that sci-fi can't be comics but i generally don't think of superman as sci-fi and so it's it's uh there's a lot of fun there i think we're like it would be fun to see a show where all, they keep doing cold opens of his adventures you know for for 90 seconds of him fighting the big baddie and standing heroically and having trashy monologues and then kind of like hard cut it to contrast what's going on exactly. in the real world like he's you know sitting at a drive through or something yeah, justice always prevails, and then it's him in five o'clock traffic honking his horns. <laughs> Move out of the fucking road, dude. <laughs> hmm I feel like the only way this show could end would be very dark. I think Captain Justice would find out. This, this is going to go very stranger than fiction here. Uh, Captain Justice would be digging around. He would find a manuscript for the newest issue of Captain Justice, or the newest like trade paperback. And it's basically the story of him coming into the real world. And then it ends with him finding the paper or finding the, uh, the book. And he's confronting Abner, like what, what's real? Like, do I have free will? And he's freaking out. He's going to kill Abner saying like, you, you, you don't own me. I'm my own person. And he's going to show him like blank pages. Like, no, 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 no. Look, I didn't even finish writing it. Like, there's no part where you try and kill me, but you're doing that right now. See, you have free will. He goes, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go back to Pleasantville. And after he leaves, Abner like takes a drink of scotch, opens up a secret drawer, pulls out all these pages of that very thing happening. And then the last <laughs> last page is him holding the book and then looking up oh, at the camera. God. And then he looks up at the camera. Dun, dun, dun. Or you can go like, what? My question is, what happens if Abner dies? Like, he's an old man. What if he like trips and falls and doesn't make it? Like, does just that whole world just poof in an existential crisis? Like, just gone. <laughs> that yeah, that is ex- existential crisis on Infinite Earths right there. Basically, I mean, <laughs> the guy is the harbinger of their world. It's like he's literally their god. So, I mean, I there there's a lot of uh, questions they probably would have never answered. Yeah, no. <laughs> there's a lot of like there's a lot under the hood where it's like don't think too much about this or it's just going to be like ethics 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 like just <laughs> writing it. It's it's 
there's yeah it's like doing a time travel movie and you just think too much about paradoxes You're like just 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 whatever they say goes just go with it exactly like endgame i had to see it twice to i still their time travel just i don't i don't <laughs> i just i just chalked it up to the science montage and said yep it all works out exactly <laughs> uh so i think that's gonna do that for once a hero uh greg Thank you for coming on. And if people want to find you and your shows, how would they do so? Well, always fun to come on, Ed. This was a, this was a treat. I always end up seeing the most bizarre stuff, and you'd be surprised where good inspiration comes from. <laughs> uh, I end up telling people some of the stuff we've watched, and like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that one had Leslie Nielsen in it. Can you believe it? And they're like, that, sh- that show sounds like trash. And I'm like, I know. He was at the peak of his career, too. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, you can find one show I produce is Rumor Flies. It's like Snopes meets Mythbusters. We research, investigate, and prove or debunk uh, your favorite rumors, myths, and legends. Not as much JFK Sasquatch, more like can you do a citizen's arrest? Uh, is there such thing as MSG allergies? Can you beat our breathalyzer? That was a fun one. Uh, all kinds of ridiculous myths and urban legends you hear every day but don't always check and sometimes do or don't pass the smell test then there's jacks of trades which is a comic book review show davis and mike host that one they're amazing uh they basically they review raid uh trade paperbacks and individual issues we also occasionally pair a beer with single issue comics there's a wonderful backlog they've done some amazing stuff it's actually gotten me into comic books i didn't read them until producing the show so uh, the past two years, I've really gotten into comic books thanks to it. I think they do a great job of really unpacking and really diving into the literature. And unfortunately, this show has killed your interest in comics, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All I was doing this whole time was watching it was like being like, oh, that's kind of like Superman. Oh, that's kind of like, <laughs> you know, Sam. Oh, that's kind of like, I couldn't, the, the uh, Rachel, I couldn't quite place. She was like so... Uh, it's unfortunate because that was the acting style of the time. Like she's supposed to be a damsel in distress, but it got like super irritating. And so like, I actually couldn't quite find a good uh, comparison for her, but it was because usually comic book women and the love interest of the hero often develop into far more interesting characters than they initially are. But uh, she was pretty insufferable. You know, she was very (laughs) one-dimensional. Yeah. And they're like, she's not a two-dimensional person. She's a thing. And I'm like, no, she is absolutely a two-dimensional person at best. (laughs) Your your love of her is completely unfounded. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely check out those shows. Those are both very good shows. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at Unaired Podcast on pretty much everything. Uh, I did just launch my audio drama, Inspector, which is kind of a supernatural comedy show. Uh, It's spelled I-N-S-P-E-C-T-R-E, like Inspector, like ghost, haha, because it's a ghost detective. Um, But yeah, so check that out. Um, And yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on, Greg. Absolutely, man, anytime. And remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye.